Hi all, so lots to talk about today. First up, I have Alice from Voice21. We're going to be talking about how to implement talk into your classroom. After that, I will have Tessa Halls from Minimi Mindfulness. So lots to talk about. Please text him. Please get involved in the show. Can't wait to hear from you. Well, everybody, welcome to the Twilight Show on Teachers Talk Radio, or as I like to call it, Teachers Therapy. It's always nice to talk with other teachers and other educators, so welcome to the show. Just nice to hear our ideas and to share ideas with one another, um, check we're all doing the right thing, and it's nice to know that other people like your ideas, and uh, um, you can share ideas and share opinions. So we are always here, or always here to listen. So I hope you all had a great week. Mine has been quite good, as I have not needed petrol yet. Uh, if you're listening and you're out there, we know what it's like being in online learning and talking to a screen. So I am talking to a screen at the moment. So let me know how your week has been. Hopefully uh, you haven't needed petrol. And if you have needed it, I hope you didn't have to queue up for too long. We definitely don't want to go back to online learning if we're all running out of petrol so um i've got a really great guest on this afternoon this evening sorry <laughs> uh so i've got alice on from voice 21 and basically our whole show is going to be centered around children and talking so i'm really sorry if you've been talking to children all day but you're going to be hearing more about children and talking to them so voice 21 do amazing work and they go into schools and they train teachers in order to provide children with high quality oracy education so it's all about talking in the classroom which i think is really important when it comes to writing i think before the writing comes the speaking which is definitely important from reception all the way up to year six and i'm also sure it's high school as well because structuring a sentence comes from talk so that is a really important part of our teaching that possibly doesn't get as much press or as many objectives as possibly the written word does so still very important um they work with an amazing number of schools so they've worked with 1200 schools and 10,000 teachers so that is a lot of people uh, if you're listening in and you're one of those people please let us know what was it like and how have you improved your talk in the classroom so if you're listening in and you are high school teachers or primary school teachers or wherever you work in education i would love to know how you include talk in your classroom uh, I know in primary school, a lot of the time we think of talking in English lessons and we'll put in a little bit of drama before we do a long piece of writing. But if you're a subject specific teacher, I would love to know how you implement talking to your classrooms. So please do let me know in the chat or call in. Love to hear from you. So I even find myself, especially down, down the line with the younger children and possibly with older children as well, but I am in reception this year. So most definitely in reception, there is a lot of talk going on. And I even find myself informally correcting the children's speech and 
making sure they're speaking in the tense, the correct tense, because I find, especially with the irregular verbs, the children can use the incorrect word or not change the verb around correctly. So that's really important, I think. What do you guys think? Um, I also have Tessa Hawes on, and she's going to come later after Oracy 21, and she's going to be talking about mindfulness. And so during lockdown, Tessa set up an online teaching company and they teach mindfulness workshops. And she, what's, what I found interesting about this is that she set it up with her son. So specifically for children. So it's almost children teaching children, which is very interesting. I think that's something to think about. We always talk about child voice and making sure that when we speak to the children, we're sometimes speaking their language. So I think children teaching children seems a bit of a no-brainer really for me. So she's done amazing work and uh, she's created quite a few things. So there's the Mini-Me Mindfulness Journal, which I'm sure she'll talk about later and I can't wait to hear about that. I might need to use it all myself, be a bit more mindful, a bit more uh, open to my well-being. There's also online classes and there were lots of these during lockdown and I think they got quite a lot of good press about putting these online classes on because we all know we need a bit of mindfulness during lockdown and being that we're inside all the time and in our homes it was difficult to kind of break away from the desk and break away from the teaching it was tricky i think it was tricky for a lot of people um even office bound office workers it's hard when you're sitting at your dining room table all day teaching and then you finish your day and you're still sitting at your dining room table so i think mindfulness and getting the right mindset is very important and definitely was very important during lockdown how did you guys kind of set your mind correctly and how did you what kind of tips did you have to to turn off and to um give yourself a bit of self-love during lockdown. I think it was quite tricky. So she also does mindfulness lessons for school. So it is really the whole package. You've got online work that I think she did with her son. So if you log on to those online classes, and I logged on to a few just to see what it was like, and you see a mum, but you also see her son. So I think for children during lockdown, it was possibly quite nice to see a familiar face and to see a younger face teaching you online because as we all know children didn't just miss learning they also miss time with their friends and time interacting with people of a similar age to them so I think that's really important. Um, her technique is all about building resilience, self-love, being really confident and I think a lot of these topics have come to the forefront now in education I'm not sure what you guys think but they seem to all, all fall under the subject of PSHE, which um, being that I was PSHE subject leader at my old school seems to be a subject that is, and I think in a lot of primary schools, I'm not sure about high school, maybe you can let me know if you've taught PSHE in high school. Um, I, I think it's a subject that doesn't always get a fair share of the time thing, and it's, it's interesting because I think nowadays it's a subject that really does need to be taught and we need to build confidence, we need to teach children how to deal with their emotions, um, we need to teach children how to care about their environment and how to understand their environment and maybe even how to make the best of their own environment and I think that resilience as well is really important was definitely a big one during lockdown because you know a lot of children were sitting at their desks all on their own with no teacher to kind of give them praise or oh, you know, a dojo point 
or even like a sticker. So I think trying to be build resilience and be self-resilient, even as teachers. Um, I'm thankful that I went through lockdown with um, two other teachers. I was in a three, four entry year group and we definitely needed our group, our class WhatsApp group. That is for sure. Um, so how did you get through lockdown? How did you build your own resilience? Because just as much as the children have to be resilient, I think we as teachers also had to do that. We didn't have a, a staff room to go to at lunchtime to help us deflect. So I think that's really important. Um, just gonna let my guest in for a few minutes. There we go. Um, so they try to give children the knowledge and the skills to recognize and understand their thoughts and emotions. And it's really, like I said, it's um, coaching for kids and it's done by kids. I think that's amazing. What do you guys think? Would you let kids coach kids? I think we do that a lot of the time with um, talk partners. That's definitely kids coaching kids a little bit, but I think it's a really interesting thing to think about. Um, they also train teachers. And I think going back to the, the fact that PSHE is a real subject that's come to the forefront after lockdown, I think I feel for myself that, and I've said this before, that I don't understand so much child psychology. And I think it's a big module that's missed out in teacher training courses. Um, and I did a PGCE, so I'm not sure if anybody's out there listening that maybe did a bachelor's of education. I know you have a lot longer in the, uh, the bachelor's course. So maybe you guys have some tips. How many modules, how many lectures did you have on actual child psychology? Because there's a lot of push on having good subject knowledge, especially in the primary field, I'm sure in the high school field as well, that you should know the subject that you are teaching. So if I'm teaching fractions, I have to know fractions from top to bottom. I think sometimes we forget, and I've especially noticed it in reception, that I don't always know what's going on in a child's head and in a child's brain. And I think if we knew a bit more about that, it would possibly make our jobs a little bit easier and we wouldn't have to be such detectives all the time. So, yeah, what do you guys think about that? Do you want to know maybe more about what's going on in your children's heads during a lesson? So, uh, yeah, hopefully you've had a great week. Hopefully you haven't needed petrol. And if you have needed petrol, I hope you were able to get it. I am still on half a tank, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed and not driving too far <laughs> at the moment. Um, bit negative, but are you on the half-term countdown? So here we've got Miss T. Um, PSHE is now a statutory requirement in primary, but I don't think there's a time allowance allocated to it. Absolutely. I think maybe last year it became uh, statutory. And I, but I do think, I don't know what you think, but Miss T, um, I think some schools think that an assembly, maybe on diversity, kind of covers it. Um, and we know sometimes that children in an assembly Kind of just sitting there waiting for break even if it's a fabulous assembly i'm not saying that assemblies aren't great i've done some very exciting ones in my time i hope everybody has but definitely there's not always time allocated to it so it's a shame but i think there's a lot of organizations out there and people to help um to help implement it a bit more and we'll talk to tessa about that so um we're gonna get on to our first guest alice from voice 21 i'm just gonna play a little break um, so stay on and we'll have a little chat in a minute. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. 
Essential letters and sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Do you struggle with people-pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses? All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Every teacher loves stationery, right? Imagine getting a selection of fun, beautiful and unique stationery items designed and selected especially for teachers, delivered through your door every month. You need to check out teacherslovestationery.club. I'm always so excited when the box arrives. It's such a treat. My Teachers Love Stationery Club box is just a little treat to myself every month. It's always full of delightful and surprising items, including some really good quality stationery brands. And because you never know what you're going to get, it makes it even more fun and special when you get it. Visit teacherslovestationery.club and enter the code TTRADIO when you buy your first stationery box to save £2 today. Teacherslovestationery.club um, hello, everybody. I'm just going to let Alice in. Mute you. Hello, Alice. Can you hear Hi, me? Hi, Leanne. Hi. Yes. Can you hear Hi. me? Amazing. I can. Amazing. I'm just going to try something. Uh, see if that works. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Wonderful. So, um, welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. Thanks for coming on. And we're going to just talk about talk. And um, so I gave a little bit of a bio to all the listeners, but maybe you could just give us a little idea of what you guys do. I know it's yeah. all based centered around talk. And like I said, I think it's so important that we talk to the children and especially for, for English as a primary school teacher, I see it as a really important part of the subject, but yeah. in terms of high school, I'm not so experienced. So it'd be oh, good well. to get like, the big picture. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And my background is as a secondary school teacher. So hopefully I can Fabulous. bring some of that, um, yeah. bring some of that in too. But um, as you mentioned really in the intro, so Voice 21 is the national RSC education charity. So um, we're kind of driven by the belief that every child, like it's the kind of the right of every child and the responsibility of every teacher for, for children to benefit from a high quality RSC education. So mm-hmm. um, that word oracy might be something that some people are like not familiar with, and that would be completely fair enough. Um, I'll be honest, I had to Google it just to check it was yeah. talk. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's a funny word. So it was only invented in the 60s by an academic right. called Andrew Wilkinson. Um, okay. And he, he made it up, he, he coined it, um, to give spoken language a kind of equivalence to literacy and to numeracy. So Amazing. in the same way that we think about literacy and numeracy as being obviously like really important life skills and also crucially life skills that are teachable and that we think really carefully about teaching um, through a child's school career. Um, he coined the word oracy to have that same that same meaning. So we use it at Voice 21, like, yes, 
their speaking and listening or there's communication skills or their spoken language and and they all carry very similar meanings but for us obviously has quite a specific like connotation I guess which is that idea that it's it's essential and it's a teachable skill um that deserves time and space in the curriculum yeah it's interesting that you say that I was talking on my show last week and I'd listened into um uh, a workshop by the founding museum about um, arts and education and they mm. were saying that the art curriculum is two pages and the English curriculum is 55 pages mm. and I would imagine if you even even talking about talk in the classroom if you looked into those 55 pages not a lot of the objectives would be centered around talk I think it's quite an, a heavy evidence-based curriculum that we have yeah. in this country definitely well, so yeah so I mean um, speaking and listening does crop up in the national curriculum. It gets kind of name checked, and yes. our but but it doesn't obviously have any currency within our school system. So yes, you know, the, at the end of the day, for schools, which is fair enough, like the exam system is weighted entirely around written exams in virtually every subject. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in foreign languages, we have spoken language exams, but we don't in our yes. in our kind of own language. Um, yes, that's and, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and But I guess the other thing, so you've talked about it in relation to the English curriculum, but our approach is very much about the role of talk across the curriculum. So not just thinking about it as something that is the preserve of English teachers, but actually has a place in every subject across the curriculum. And, and, and kind of, I guess, just in the way that like literacy or numeracy have a place in every subject across the curriculum and enable learning to happen across mm-hmm. the curriculum. Oracy is, is like both a skill in its own right, like a set of teachable skills around speaking and listening but it's also a way for students to learn like through speaking and listening so we often talk about oracy being the kind of the middle of a venn diagram so if you think on one side you've got um learning to talk so equipping students with the skills they need to become better speakers and listeners and to understand mm-hmm. you know what it means to participate in a discussion versus a debate or giving a speech or being a really good listener teaching those skills um, and then on the other side of the Venn diagram learning through talk so you know using talk as a pedagogical tool um, you know deliberating ideas problem solving together reasoning aloud um, like analyzing something through talk for instance all the ways you know answering questions all the ways that we use talk in the classroom and, and obviously is like at the intersection of both like when it's done really well it's about enabling students to learn to talk and through talk like at the same time so kind of subject-led um like really kind of driven by the curriculum content but at the same time being really deliberate and thoughtful and explicit about the the obviously skills that students will need to access that kind of like talk for learning Um, yeah because it's often like people kind of think of one or the other um which is good, but 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 putting them together is much more powerful. Thinking about them both as like relying on each other. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, we do um, a lot of talk partners, so we'll be teaching mm. on the carpet, and we do talk partners. And I think sometimes, possibly because I'm not skilled as a teacher to to teach them the the skill of talk, and also, mm. like you say, learning through talk. And I think sometimes they're listening to their partner, but they're probably possibly not taking it in. Mm-hmm. And I've said to them a few times, you know, let's like learn from our partners. You, you can learn from your partners. You can learn from myself. You can learn from like anybody. Yeah. And, I, and I think it's, maybe it's just quite, quite abstract for children that I can learn from other people, not just my teacher. I yeah, think it's, it's a bit, 
Yeah, a bit of a mindset sometimes for kids. Definitely, like valuing what other people have to say and mm. recognizing the value of that. But some, also something like talk partners is a really good example of where, like, talk happens in every like in virtually every classroom across the country, mm-hmm. in various forms. And something like talk partners, people might do and go, "Oh yeah, I, I do oracy," but yeah. it's so easy to not get the most out of that. Like, mm-hmm. yes. you know, because as you say, you can just go, "Oh, off you go in your pairs, talk about it." And like, mm-hmm. if, if children don't know what you like, what are you expecting from that? Is it that you want yeah. one person to start off and the other one to listen and respond to what's mm-hmm. been said, um, mm-hmm. or to challenge or to build build on it? Um, mm-hmm. You know, rather like often what they do is they like one of them says one thing, the other one says whatever was in their head, and then they're like, right, yes. done it. <laughs> we did, we, we <laughs> Let's did talk about our weekend. <laughs> exactly, like we did the talking <laughs> together, and so that's where that yeah. idea of like deliberate and explicit teaching of those skills ma- like maximizes the learning benefit from having talk in the classroom and it's it's like a you know it's like everywhere and it's free and it's something that everyone can use as a as a resource so all of our work at voice 21 is about how do you like squeeze the maximum benefit out of talk that's happening in a classroom and, and really think about it and really be kind of deliberate and explicit about teaching those skills so that every child can access the talk that's happening and and benefit from it I guess as well I find myself and I've had this this issue myself as a teacher since the beginning is that sometimes I talk too much on the carpet Mm -hmm. and I think there's this big thing on like five ten minutes on the carpet especially in primary you don't want to talk at the children so it's probably is it about saying the right amount of things and having rich talk and it's all about like language now in those short periods of time definitely um, yeah absolutely and like yeah we, we you know we're not saying that um you know like teacher talk is a bad thing by any means like there's value from all all kinds of talk and teachers have a really important part to play in modeling that talk and again being as you say like thinking about what language you're using and, and what you're kind of mo- yeah, modeling for students but but the idea behind kind of everything we do is about how do you create that really like language rich environment that for some children they may not have got experience of kind of outside of school or at home mm-hmm. um so not just having that language that's just a teacher's language but that you know hearing themselves hearing others listening being surrounded by talk and, and having opportunities to practice talking in lots of different contexts you know little low stakes you know conversations with a partner more high stakes perhaps kind of presentational or formal situations and and everything in between and and yeah creating that really like language rich experience of learning that I really love that phrase like yeah no definitely no of course I really love the phrase practice talking like I've never really looked at it that way and um like you say low stakes and high stakes and I know especially with the little ones that sometimes I'll correct their speech just like I said in the intro they'll use the wrong verb or things like that and I just think if you it's important to correct it while it's in speech and then it's quite low stakes and I think Yeah. yeah Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, a couple of things on that. Like, yeah, so that idea of like practicing talking, we often find it really useful to think about the analogy with, say, um, literacy. So, you know, (laughs) we we don't just assume that just because children are being raised in a society where most people are literate, they're just going to pick up 
reading and writing skills. Absolutely, and, yeah. And yet we make that assumption all the time with talk. We just kind of assume that by osmosis, they're just going to kind of pick up those skills. And obviously mm-hmm. some children do, but mm-hmm. some children don't. And, and mm-hmm. certainly once they become kind of at a basic level of proficiency, we often just go, oh, cool, like, you know, they're fine. They're, they're, they're speaking as we would expect age five. And we stop thinking mm-hmm. about speaking as a, and listening as a set of skills, which we would yeah. never do with reading and writing. You know, we don't know. Okay, no. yeah. They can read at the level of an 11-year-old, so we're, we're all good <laughs> now. Like, we think about where does that take you and, and what to do with it. Um, so, yeah, definitely about that idea of practising. And then, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned about um, kind of correcting language because that's something mm-hmm. that um I guess it's something that we're like we're, we're kind of always thinking about and grappling with because I think as you say in many ways spoken language can be a kind of dress rehearsal for written language and that's a mm-hmm. really valuable opportunity for that mm-hmm. equally I guess some like I think there's we also should be aware as, as the teachers that like if we correct children a lot that might knock their confidence or yeah um you know have have an effect on them so I guess yeah it's perhaps okay like I think often what we'd encourage teachers to do is if if you want to kind of reformulate how how a child has said something to kind of repeat it back again mm-hmm. in the like sentence structure or whatever it is that you want them to kind of take on board so that it doesn't become I guess a negative thing where they just don't say anything again yeah um, no definitely rather give them a chance as you say to hear it and to absorb it um mm-hmm in in the you know grammatically um kind of correct form or whatever it is yeah no definitely I think what you're saying about we can't expect children to kind of come into school speaking perfect English because it doesn't happen and all our, the children come from such variety of backgrounds and I think that's what makes teaching amazing but mm-hmm. do, you, do you think lockdown played a big part in possibly oracy now being a bit more at the forefront Definitely. Um, and we, I mean, we've heard that from lots of our schools that we're working with mm. that, you know, and, and I mean, if you think about like the children that are currently in year two, how much of their mm. you know, reception in year one has been so yeah. disrupted. And similarly, mm-hmm. for children, you know, coming into year one now, how much of their reception was so disrupted. And, but also at secondary. So, so um, there's a, we've been involved with the all party parliamentary group on Oracy. Which oh, well, is, amazing! Um, yeah, which is a bit like it's been great, but and they've published a report about well about oracy teaching generally, um, but a big part of that because of the timing of it reflects the reality of of what's happened over the last two years. So much of it looks at the impact of the pandemic, and it's, mm-hmm. it includes polling of teachers, and um, I think it's something like sixty four percent of primary school teachers feel like reported that the pandemic has had a negative impact on their students' spoken language skills. Mm-hmm. And that's particularly pronounced for students from like economically disadvantaged backgrounds. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think lockdown has perhaps it's like probably those inequalities were already there, but it's yes. really shone a spotlight on them. I think and so, I think, yeah. Yeah, for, for teachers looking at cohorts of children now, they can really see the difference. Um, in terms of spoken language at all ages absolutely do you think have you changed programs a little bit then to go into schools like post lockdown or have you have you found anything that you possibly had to add in that has uh, 
So, yeah, so one of the things that we've developed kind of in response to lockdown and in response to what our schools have been telling us that they're thinking about is, is our approach to using talk to support social and emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I'm like a nice connection to the mindfulness person that you've got on lately, yeah. I guess. Um, <laughs> because, of, like, of course, like, as we kind of all know as adults and as the, the saying goes, you know, a problem shared is a problem halved. Mm-hmm. And there's such a correlation between... Um, somebody's kind of communication skills and their ability to like build relationships articulate feelings um, Mm. resolve conflicts you know talk about challenges or or kind of strong emotions that like emotional literacy talk plays such a huge part in that and also as does listening you know feeling listened to being heard and being able to support people through listening to each other so we did a big piece of work last summer um, to support our schools to think about how they could use talk and oracy skills um, to support their students as they return to school and, and to kind of address some of the well-being issues that, that students might be returning with, um, having had that kind of isolation um, and time away. Um, and actually, this brings me on to a nice, <laughs> a nice link. So tomorrow, yeah, t- tomorrow is October. And we, we've um, started marking at Voice 21, Oracy October. Um, Amazing. <laughs> which is, we, we, you know, nice alliteration. Teach, us, yeah. us teachers like a bit of alliteration. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But our, so our theme for Oracy October this year is creating connections. And it's kind of picking oh, wow. up on that idea that, that talk is one of the ways that we build community and we create connections and we mm-hmm. relate to other people. Um, so if anybody listening is interested, we've got a bunch of like free resources on our website, um, which includes a, an Odyssey Odyssey challenge where students are, are like challenged to engage in different types of talk. Um, and there's one for EYFS as well. And we've got lots of events across October that are, is around the theme of creating connections. So, yeah, they're, and they're all free. So, oh, wow. I would encourage anyone listening who's interested to absolutely, to yeah. It's it's funny that you talk about connections and talk because I mean it's not it's nothing major, but we went to the Isle of Wight for our year six um, residential, mm-hmm. and you know coming back on the ferry we had to just sit amongst the public, yeah. and I just had some really shy children that kind of sat and just talked to the public like the strangers mm. that were next to them, and I just was like so heartwarming to see that they had the confidence to kind of strike up a conversation yeah. um where possibly in the classroom they're maybe even a little bit more shy to talk so yeah. do you think different scenarios um yeah. give children different opportunities to talk and maybe some shine in different kind of situations with talk yeah definitely like i think that's so true um and i guess yeah like we've seen that so for instance you know a child who might be really quiet and not particularly up for participating in in talking like a maths classroom might be like mm. a completely different child in an English classroom or in a PE lesson for instance and similarly you know I'm sure everyone's had it with parents where you kind of say to them oh your child's like this in, at, at school and yeah really I don't recognize <laughs> that you know they're completely different at home um, and yeah. so yeah we like we would definitely like relate to that and I guess that's one of the reasons why um, we encourage the schools that we work with to think about kind of like oracy as a as a curriculum and to think, well, what is that range of experiences and contexts for oracy that you want every child in your school to have experienced by the time they leave? So, as you say, like there might be some children who 
like relish being in front of an audience mm. love it you know can't be can't be told to be quiet um, yes. having a having a speech at some point during their school career might be the kind of thing they absolutely thrive on and then there might mm-hmm. be other children for whom that's a really big challenge and and they have to work up to it and you know it's a big achievement when they do manage to do it and similarly you know there might be another child who's great at listening and facilitating a discussion where everybody gets to participate but you know, mm-hmm. wouldn't love to speak in front of an audience so that kind of idea of like yeah what's the range of different experiences as you said like for your kids to to be able to strike up conversation with a stranger Mm. is is actually like a really important skill in adult life isn't it like you go to a party yeah absolutely yeah you you go to some event and you're meant to be you know networking or whatever it is like that's hard so Mm -hmm. we should be teaching children how to do that and and Mm -hmm. you know giving them the the skills that they'll need um because otherwise some kids get that and others mm. don't and then that, yeah that's yeah I guess my next question is like you know we've talked about how the writing side of the curriculum has a lot of weight how mm. do you ensure schools put the same amount or even more impact on speaking skills when, when you go into schools I guess have you ever had to convince SLT members that it's the way to go um, I mean, we definitely had to do our fair share of convincing. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's 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 just a perennial thing, isn't it? Whenever you're trying to convince people in schools about something, rightly, they'll say, well, you know, what's, what is the impact? What's the difference that mm-hmm. it will make? And for some people, mm-hmm. it's really obvious. It's that idea of, you know, if you can't say it, you can't read it, mm-hmm. you can't write it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I think, often becomes so apparent how valuable that kind of orally like rehearsing ideas or talking them through or being able to use them to figure out like content and structure and you know weigh things up and get other people's ideas to build on your own how that feeds into writing for instance so so yeah I mean schools we work with we work with when they've done it they're they're very much like we can see the difference like the the impact is in the writing you can see that really Um, wow that's amazing yeah I mean it's great but I guess like that is also borne out by much of the research around oracy so and it's interesting that you raise writing because I guess everyone is the the most obvious connection for lots of people is to to English teaching or to literacy but Mm -hmm. for lots of the studies that that we kind of draw upon in our work so Mm -hmm. particularly Professor Neil Mercer who's at Cambridge University and Professor Robin Alexander who's at the University of York um, both of them have done studies into like talk in the classroom and have found um, kind of academic attainment gains not just in writing or in English but in maths and in science so you know Mm -hmm. subjects that you wouldn't necessarily typically associate Mm -hmm. um so I think yeah for lots of kind of SLT needing to be convinced actually the evidence base is really compelling um and in fact the Education Endowment Foundation recently updated their toolkit and oral language interventions are are high up there um because they're like they're low cost you know talk does not is, cost yeah. that money. is true yes um, yeah and they're really high impact um which certainly like we've seen in our schools in terms of academic attainment um yeah. and the difference that it makes no definitely that's that when you can see it I guess in in black and white then 
that that's kind of your evidence you don't probably don't need to um convince people as much yeah well it certainly helps like you know having having you know lots of lots of quite um evangelical head teachers and subject leaders yes. and things now which is great like you know because we can tell people about the difference yes. but it's you know it's always so much more powerful hearing that from our schools and from our teachers and as we've no, kind of grown as an organization we've got you know we've got schools up and down the country now who we can like point to and go or talk to them <laughs> see what they say <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. We don't have a. I, I feel like we don't have a lot of talk between teachers as much as we should. So. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's, I that's a challenge, isn't it? When you're in when you're in your school and you're kind of getting on with the stuff in your school, um, mm. and yeah, that's something like you know with the schools that we work with, we we really want to like build a network because yeah we've we get to hear loads of the amazing things that happen like my team you know of talking to a, this school in wherever one you know one school in liverpool one school in cardiff um mm-hmm. but how we connect them and kind of um keep that conversation going is definitely something that we're we're thinking about because as we as i say as we have more schools that we're working with and more people who are becoming kind of experts in their own right like people that mm. are innovating and pushing yes pushing things forward and trying things out like yeah we definitely want to um connect them and, and put them put them in the limelight yeah definitely so I mean one of the things I always talk about on the show because I have no idea what it's like in high school I haven't been yeah. there for quite some time um yeah. so how, how does the oracy or the training differ from say like a reception classroom to say like a year 10 GCSE classroom yeah um, it's a really good question because actually so one of the things that we do which um we think is like actually very effective is we we train when, when we work with teachers and they come on our professional development courses we have a, we'll have a group and they can be from reception through to sixth form so we don't split our professional development according to phase right. Um, Mm -hmm. so everyone in the room might be like a mixture of you know year five year 10 reception um year nine um and we do that deliberately um the reason being that much of what we're talking about is about a pedagogical approach and a Mm -hmm. core set of skills which run all the way through from age four to aged 18 and much of the like big ideas uh the same or require kind of adaptation or you know adapting down or adapting up in terms of age but the big the kind of core ideas and the core pedagogical approaches are constant and it's more about the content that they're being applied into so mm. you know for instance um a skill like being able to summarize it's one of the skills on on the oracy framework mm-hmm. of course a year one summarizing they might be summarising like the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears or you mm-hmm. know, a really familiar text that they know really well um, and they give a short summary about that. Whereas by year 13, you know, you would expect a completely different level of summary and it would be, you know, perhaps multiple texts, thematic, um, giving a, a kind of a, a nuanced opinion about different perspectives that you know perhaps even weren't included in the text for instance so although yeah we're talking about the same skill running all the way through and the skills on the oracy framework which is our kind of core document um our kind of grounding text those skills Mm -hmm. run all the way through so when we're thinking about teaching oracy skills um 
it's it's the same set of skills, but it's thinking about, well, how, how would you expect a child at seven or a child at 12 or whatever to, to engage in them? Um, yeah. And I guess just to kind of um, like illustrate that. So, so the Oracy framework is, um, it came from a project that we did with academics at Cambridge University and uh, teachers at School 21, which is a school in um, East London, which Voice 21 has kind of grown out of. Um, but those skills break oracy down into these four strands. So when we talk about teaching oracy, we're talking about the kind of physical aspects of talk. So your voice and your body language, thinking of your voice like an instrument that you can kind of manipulate and, and use in terms of like volume or tone or pitch. Um, the linguistic strand, so your use of language, so things like grammar, formality, register, um, rhetorical devices, vocabulary. Um, the cognitive strand, which is to do with the kind of thinking behind what you're saying. So reasoning and structure and questioning and argument. Um, and then the social and emotional strand, which is to do with social and emotional aspects of talk. So things like turn taking and managing interactions and listening and responding appropriately. So like kind of with that perspective, I guess, uh, in answer to your question about what does it look like at secondary school, it's still thinking about those skills, but applying them into, you know, teenagers, <laughs> old children, 18 year olds, potentially thinking, yes. what do those skills look like? Into the workforce. Yeah, yeah. exactly. At mm -hmm. that age. And of course, that makes yeah. it a bit different to, to primary age children. But there's a yes. continuity there which runs all yeah. the way through, you know, those skills don't change. You, you, you develop them as you get older. Um, yeah. I would imagine that for me as well, and I know often are pushing for this is how can we get kids to retain as many facts as possible? Mm. Um, and I guess there's facts. And then like you say, there's skills. And I think maybe you have to think sometimes that the skills, and like you say, the skills of, of talk and of thinking to talk, will possibly lead them to different places to just maybe a few facts that they've stored Definitely. in their head. It's like the balance between teaching skills and teaching facts, I think. Yeah, and I guess, you know, oracy is not, it's not, um, it's not devoid of content. So, you know, when you're getting children to engage in a group discussion, so for instance, I was in one of our schools yesterday and they, they were year sixes and they were having a discussion about whether dazzle ships or U-boats were more effective. And right. they were, they, they did like, you know, <laughs> done some reading and then they were bringing those arguments into that discussion. And Fabulous. so yeah. not only are they learning discussion skills there and skills of argument and, you know, listening and responding, but they're also engaging with the facts and with the knowledge that they've mm -hmm. been learning about. And like, I would argue that they're much more likely to remember that learning mm -hmm. having had that discussion where they've listened yes. to other people's opinions and they've had to yes. think about how it relates to what they think and they've had to respond mm -hmm. um so yeah it's I guess with yeah we're talking about a set of skills in terms of oracy teaching but all the time it's like well what are they talking about and of course normally what they're talking about is subject knowledge um and mm -hmm. it's supporting that subject learning that, that yeah as you say like retention of, of facts or um, mm. whatever it is that they've been learning about. 
Yeah, I definitely know for myself as well. It, I guess it's the merging together, isn't it? Not so much the balance, but maybe the merging. And I, I know for myself that if I just write lots of facts down, I'm not possibly going to remember them as opposed to if I'm speaking them or even if I'm even better having a conversation with someone about them. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so like, because also in your intro, you talked about like, how, how do you know what's in children's heads? And yes. like, one of the ways that you know what's in children's heads is you talk to them. Um, yeah. you know, and, and through doing that, they make meaning and they, they figure it out. Mm. And yeah, as you say, like, that's much more likely to stick. And also, if they've got a misconception, you're much more likely to find out. You've heard what they're actually thinking. Yes. Um, yes which is so important and much better than finding out two weeks later when you're looking at their written work and going oh my goodness absolutely (laughs) yes I think it's funny because I've always liked to I don't know what they call it but float around the classroom in a lesson and I've always wondered like is that the right way to do it should you just sit with a group but like you say I do worry that if I just sit with one group Mm. and don't go and talk to a lot of the children that you get to five o'clock and you're marking books and you get to a book and you think my god what is this yeah (laughs) like you say the talk is so important and I think oral markings become quite a good uh, Mm -hmm. quite a popular thing of of recent because Mm -hmm. you can talk with the child like you say you can find those misconceptions and you sort them out straight away yeah definitely it's so useful to go and listen in and Mm. that's something we encourage our teachers to do and also it's it sometimes mean or like it can mean that you don't then have to do whole class feedback where Everybody mm. kind of says the same thing that their group was saying that was the same as the other groups and everyone slightly loses the thread a little bit because you're like, yes. right, well, I know that everybody had the conversation that I want them to have or mm-hmm. I know that they didn't and I'm going to talk, you know, I'm going to address that to the whole class now and make sure that everybody's got whatever it is I want them to have grasped. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it makes also the conversations that they're having in their groups feel valued like often yeah. you can feel like it's only if it's heard by the teacher that the talk is mm. that the talk counts. You know, mm-hmm. it's only when they go through the motions and they feed back to you and the whole class that that was the yes. important part. So yes, definitely. Having more talk in the classroom, you know, one way to do it then is is to take out some of that whole class feedback and just, as you say, go and listen in, um, mm-hmm. and, and as a teacher, make judgment calls based on that. Um, yeah. Yes, definitely. I know you have something called um, the voice area model. Um, yes. So is that, um, I mean, do, do, do you train, do you differ your train, your, excuse me, do you change your training for different regions? Because I know we have different dialects and different accents and I guess that plays quite a big part in talk. Yeah, it, like it does. And um, so I guess the short answer is no in that like our approach and, uh, and the things that we want, that, like the change that we want to see in our schools remains constant wherever we're working. So um, we've got a set of benchmarks that are kind of like our, our standard for what a high quality oracy education looks like and everything mm-hmm. that we do with our schools, whether we're working them with them individually or we're working with them as part of a group project in an area is about getting to those benchmarks so that, the, the schools we work with are delivering a high quality oracy education and um, that said as you rightly <laughs> identify like there's lots of um interesting mm. and exciting differences in spoken language um, mm, yes it's, it's it's something that we're always like encouraging teachers to think about um because it's really like it's really important and it's a big part of identity so for instance we're working with a group of schools in the black country who have done mm-hmm. 
um, their own kind of thinking about like black country dialect and where that fits. Um, and similarly, we've, we work with schools in the Northeast. Um, and so, it's, yeah, it's something that we, we kind of think about and encourage people to think about, because I think there is a risk of, that some schools maybe kind of jump immediately to this idea that standard English is the only English and mm. that's the only English we want to hear in the classroom. Yes. And actually, yeah. we should challenge that. Like, standard English is not the only English. It's one mm-hmm. one form of English and it has become the standard. But, you know, whose who's standard is it? Where's it come from? Um, which part of the country has it come from and who does it kind of benefit? Um, yes, yeah. And, and actually, one of the amazing and brilliant things about spoken language is it's range and like how how it varies and and how it's different from written language and and um that's something that yeah we really try and address as a kind of misconception firstly that oracy is just about getting everybody to sound like posh essentially like it's not yeah but also to yeah to address that misconception that like you know, the, the only kind of good talk is, in inverted commas, is standard English, because that's not, that's not what we think. Um, but um, No, definitely. I think that's a really good, it's a really good point. I never really thought of it like that. It's like you say, who says it's standard English and who says it's not? <laughs> well, yeah, um, yeah. As yeah. in, like, of course, oh. there's, yeah, it's un- like, there's a, there's a, a definition of, of standard English and, but, mm. but, yeah, who says it's the standard and um, like what's our responsibility to like, you know, what what message does it send to a child if they're constantly told that the way yeah, that they speak so at true. home or that their family yeah. speak is mm-hmm. not the way to succeed or it's not the way yeah. to um, yes. talk in a classroom or to sound clever. Um, yeah. So I think we, no, for like, sure. we and like, yeah, there's no, there's no simple answers on that because equally we live in a world where people set a lot of, store by how people speak and mm-hmm. you know we've I've, I've worked with teachers in the northeast for instance who have said like the fact is we know that if our students go to an interview in london they will be judged for their accent and that's yeah. really hard like which yeah, is not to say they should, so they should, yeah and that's not to say they should shed their accent at all um mm. but it's just a kind of yeah like a prejudice i guess um absolutely yes yeah. Yeah, I guess especially with lockdown we probably judged people off their voices a lot more than we possibly would have. <laughs> yeah, like their Zoom. Their Zoom. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think just probably like summing up just to go off the, the your oracy framework of voice cognitive so like the thinking yeah. and the talking and social are you using yeah. talk to be social? What 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 would be possibly your three key pieces of advice for teachers who are maybe starting out on their oracy journey or who are like, not quite sure how to have rich talk in their classroom? Um, I would say, uh, firstly, uh, just have a, have a look, have a listen to what's happening in your classroom um, because mm-hmm. there will be talk happening. And so that's like an interesting starting point. It's not that you're doing nothing, um, mm-hmm. but rather like, what is happening and what what are students doing what are you doing and what's the quality of the talk in your classroom and to help to do that I would say look at the oracy framework so that's on our website which is voice21.org um, mm-hmm. and you can use that as a kind of 
uh, I guess, like a kind of diagnostic tool to think about your students and their skills um, mm. and, and just kind of get a, get a bit of a feel for like, you know, do you have loads of kids, for instance, that are really strong on the physical strand? Like they love to talk really loudly and they've got they use <laughs> gestures and they are really expressive, but perhaps mm-hmm. they're not so strong on the cognitive you know they're not so good at the reasoning side of things or the content of what they're saying so just using that as a way to start exploring the talk that's happening in your classroom and then I guess the next thing I would say is um to think about them well what what would really high quality oracy teaching look like for your students and in your classroom and to help with that I would say have a look at our oracy benchmarks so I mentioned earlier that idea that they're they're kind of like the the, the standard for what really great oracy teaching looks like and there's a set for like teachers so focused on classroom practice and then a school a set for schools so thinking about a whole school and that might also be a really useful way to kind of do a bit of a reflection or like evaluation of where you're at currently either as an individual teacher in your classroom or as a whole school and off mm-hmm. the back of that, hopefully it, it will become like what, what you do next is, is hopefully then a lot clearer because you'll go, oh, we actually do loads of, I don't know, we've already got the start of a curriculum for oracy, but we need to think mm-hmm. more about how it's broad and balanced or we haven't got a vision for oracy education in our school. So let's start with that. Um, yeah. Or, or whatever it is. For me, definitely. I'm, it always starts with the voice, but I possibly miss out the cognitive step. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which and is, think, yeah, kind of think before you talk almost and think while you're talking, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And I think the framework is really useful because I think it's it's really easy to just assume that like the children that like speak the loudest and the longest are the yes. speakers. Yes, and definitely. They're not, they're not necessarily. And like the Oracy framework mm-hmm. is a really good way of um, Absolutely. kind of rebalancing that and thinking, well, what actually are the skills that are that a child needs or a student needs to to be a really effective speaker and listener um so that yeah that can be a really good place to start just thinking about kind of what's already happening absolutely yeah well it's been amazing talking to you thank you so much you have definitely opened my eyes to (laughs) how to get children talking and thinking and talking and I'm definitely going to be using the framework especially in reception great um, well check cut, out the, check, i was gonna say check out the the mini oracy odyssey that's yeah oh amazing yeah okay. that would be if you could put the website maybe like a link in the chat so people yes, can possibly go do. and have a look that would be amazing yes. um and don't forget everybody oracy october starts tomorrow exactly we are yeah out, out of september i think it's winter <laughs> now <laughs> so a great way, great way to start out the winter just to get lots of really good talk and talk and thinking into classrooms so thank you very much Alice it's been great thank you Leanne yeah nice to speak to you and enjoy the rest of your show bye bye thank you bye um so I hope you enjoyed it I hope you've been able to take some tips that you can use in your classroom um just gonna go to a little ad break bit of news and then we will be talking mindfulness so I did tell you guys there'll be lots of talk today so I hope you're not uh, too sick of my voice yet bit more talk to come. Okay. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. 
Essential letters and sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Do you struggle with people-pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Every teacher loves stationery, right? Imagine getting a selection of fun, beautiful and unique stationery items designed and selected especially for teachers delivered through your door every month. You need to check out teacherslovestationery.club. I'm always so excited when the box arrives. It's such a treat. My Teachers Love Stationery Club box is just a little treat to myself every month. It's always full of delightful and surprising items, including some really good quality stationery brands. And because you never know what you're going to get, it makes it even more fun and special when you get it. Visit teacherslovestationery.club and enter the code TTRADIO when you buy your first stationery box to save £2 today. Teacherslovestationery.club This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. As the government focuses on the rollout of vaccinations against coronavirus for 12 to 15 year olds, the Daily Mirror is reporting that some school staff in Nottinghamshire have received threatening calls and emails from anti-vaccination campaigners. The head teacher of Chilwell School in Beeston, Nottingham, contacted police following the campaigner's actions, which he described as reprehensible. Head teacher of Chilwell School, Mr. Phillips, said he had every confidence that the harassment is not from parents or students, but that the abuse had increased since the school began seeking consent from parents for the COVID-19 vaccination. On Thursday, Conservative frontbencher Alex Burkhardt said teachers should not face what he described as unacceptable pressure from anti-vax protesters and condemned suggestions that protests could take place outside of schools. Guidance from the UK Health Security Agency suggests head teachers should contact police if they believe protests could be held outside their buildings. Earlier this month, the school in Chester had to take action after a group of nine protesters arrived at the school. Free school meals holiday provision will not be extended next month. The government has announced that the £15 a week holiday food vouchers will not be issued during the October half term. The vouchers had been issued throughout the pandemic to low-income households whose children are eligible for free school meals. A government spokesman said that with pupils and students returning to face-to-face -face education, normal school meal provision has resumed. In June 2020, Manchester United footballer Marcus Rashford led a campaign to provide extra cash for families and convinced the government to dish out vouchers in the summer holidays. The vouchers supported 1.3 million children in England. 
In response to criticism from a number of councils, Whitehall says alternative benefits are open to families such as universal credit, but claims can take up to five weeks to process. They also highlighted that the holidays, activities and food programme will be extended to every local authority in England in December. Finally, with many pupils and staff across schools in the UK reporting they are experiencing the worst cold ever, a GP has explained to BBC Newsbeat why it is happening. It's all down to the easing of restrictions because people are mixing in a way that we haven't been mixing over the past 18 months. Because everyone has been wearing masks and distancing, it means we have missed catching coughs, colds and flus. The report reminds those with symptoms linked to COVID to get a test in line with government advice, but that a cold can be treated at home with rest, fluids and over-the-counter painkillers. This has been your weekend Teachers Talk Radio News. Hi Tessa, are you there? Can you hear me? Tessa? Hello? No? Not getting anything? Uh, let's try it. Can you hear me? Are we having a tech issue? This is my first tech issue, everybody. Maybe if I disconnect, could you try and call in again? See if that works. So, um, like I said at the beginning, Tessa's going to be talking about um, mini-me mindfulness. Let's try this again. And what really drew me to mindfulness when I saw it Hi, in one of our many locked... Oh, hello, Tessa. Are you there? I am here. How are you doing? Wonderful. I thought I was talking to myself. <laughs> I've done a lot of that in lockdown. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, Haven't we all? <laughs> I love the last interview, so well done. Oh, thank you very much. Well, on to mindfulness. So I absolutely. have to say, like, what drew me to you like in the lockdown is the whole fact of children coaching children. Um, yeah. And, and I just find that really interesting. What led you to kind of involve your son in the mindfulness world? Okay, so yeah, I mean, if I just give you a bit of background where Mini Me Mindfulness yeah, came course. from, I um, mm -hmm. I actually, um, I've been coaching adults with mindset for about the last six years, um, initially in a mm -hmm. group on a social media platform, and, and then I developed my own app called Boss Your Morning, and I go live on there every morning between 6 and 6.30 um, to help people with their mindset, so we all start our day in the right way, and over time, mm -hmm. that you know, there's been thousands of people that have joined that group and I've um, I've helped through various challenges and also um, create certain successes as well and um, when the um, the lockdown started um, and the, mm -hmm. the beginning of the pandemic um, one of the ladies actually on that group um, who is a parent to three children um, said I wish that you could do something like this for my children my immediate mm. response is I can so I spoke to Oscar my eight-year-old son and said, mm -hmm. would you like to do kind of like a boss your morning, but for children, um, live online every morning. Now, he's grown up in a household where I've always done this for adults. So he knows what process I go mm -hmm. through in terms of, you know, guided meditations, gratitude, affirmations, visualization, you know, um, inspirational um, 
training and um, and kind of writing action lists to make sure we all take action. So every morning he has grown up in a household where he just thinks this is just normal, and um, which is mm. brilliant. <laughs> and so he was just like, yeah, of course, let's do it. So we decided to, um, we set up a Facebook group and said, you know, we put a, a few comments out on a few different social media platforms to say, look, would anybody be interested in this? Um, of which we got a, a huge response. And um, quite quickly, we had thousands of families um, tuning in to join Oscar as he led the Mini Me Mindfulness Sessions. So um, quite, we were contacted by um, kind of international schools, um, Bernardo's, fostering agencies, lots of lots and lots and lots of parents, and um, just congratulating us really on the connection that Oscar was having with their children and sharing mm-hmm. their um, the feedback in terms of the peer mentoring, how you know it was nice to have that that connection uh, with a child, and of course the yes. um, in terms of the content, the content was you know is effectively streamed through me, and I was there with him, and we just we just coached out you know um, mind, mindfulness and mindset techniques to children. And we kept that going kind of Monday to Friday. We had like a half an hour session every day um, all the way through the first lockdown. So it's kind of about 16 weeks. So Oscar did really well. Obviously, as an eight-year-old child, um, he amazing, amazing um, and just yeah. inspired lots of people. And, you know, and, and, and it's, it's from there we've, um, you know, we've, we've, Whenever all the children went back to school, we spoke to Oscar's head teacher and said, look, this is what we've been doing online. There's a huge mm-hmm. demand for what we've been, you know, for the, the, the simple techniques that we've been teaching out. And the feedback that we've had has been, you know, incredible. So we wanted to take what we've been doing online, offline and into the classroom. So one of the mm-hmm. things that we, um, so just, just winding back to when we started the online classes, what we quickly did is realise that, Really what we should be helping children to do is in line with actually your previous interview, actually get children talking and get the, what's in the, what's going on in their heads out onto paper because not every child can easily communicate how they feel and articulate how they feel. Um, so we actually mm-hmm. published a journal, the Mini Me Mindfulness Journal. So that kind of, you know, that, that gave um, the bridge between parents and children and following our practices but putting them into you know making them a a routine um which we had really good feedback on that so going into the classroom we then were asked by um by oscar's school to help them with the curriculum around this and um because as you know as we know you know mindfulness and and mindset practices is you know is something that is so important but it is a is a kind of specialist subject and one of the things that they wanted to do is make sure that the the right the, the consistency of the approach in every lessons across all of the, in all the kind of mindset lessons across all the school would be kind of consistent and of high level so we wrote a curriculum we've written a curriculum for, for primary schools um for mindset techniques and also mindfulness and um, that's kind of been rolled out as an all class all school lesson Um, so the teachers all they need to do is go and press play on the lesson Oscar continues to articulate that through video (laughs) um, into Mm -hmm. the classrooms now Um, and then there are all sorts of kind of worksheets and practices that that, that the children can do you know as, as a class 
Um, the other thing we decided to do is is go into the school with after school clubs. Um, so I have been running some after school clubs, and it was really interesting for me to see how the children reacted to the lessons and we kind of teach through various different mediums a bit like you were just talking about because every child learns in a different way um through stories mm-hmm. through games through discussion um and kind of recap and repetition as well because these things a bit like you were talking about before the same skills apply whether you're four whether you're 44 or whether you're 104 mm-hmm. it's just the way that it's yes. communicated and, and taught so yeah um yeah mm-hmm. and, and and now we've just kind of knowing that there's only one one of me that can do that I've uh, we've just actually launched a franchise that I can teach people how to become mindset mentors and go into schools and communities across the country um, to be able to teach this um, you know mindfulness and mindset techniques to preschool and primary school children that's amazing I think just going (laughs) (laughs) I bet you have definitely it's interesting what kind of projects have sprung out because of the pandemic I think it's amazing that because I think and I've said it quite a few times that mindfulness possibly people think it just falls under the PSHE umbrella I don't know if you found that in primary school but like we were saying with talk it's not just about that one lesson it has to kind of run it has to be like almost like an ethos of the school and like run throughout the whole school I would imagine that's it yeah, absolutely. And that's why with our, our curriculum lessons, we've actually, we are running these throughout the whole school. They're, they're an all school, it's an all school lesson. So, you know, from reception up to year six, they are all hearing the same lesson at the same time. Um, so they've got, you know, in their in their timetable, they've got half an hour, you know, a mindfulness lesson. And and we've we've kind of video, we've, we've pre-recorded um, you know, 20 minutes of lesson and that, that includes some practicals and some lots of different mm-hmm. um, activities and things as well. So, but absolutely, I think, you know, and also with these lessons, they'll be running, they ran this curriculum last year um, in the two terms that everybody was back and then they, they'll be running that again, schools will be running that again this year. And what I've encouraged um, kind of people to understand is that really if that child hears the same lesson in reception, year one, year two, year three, year four, year five, year six, they've effectively heard that lesson seven times. They'll be in a different place mm-hmm. in their development. They'll be in a different place mm-hmm. in terms of their emotional well-being and their perspective of the world, yeah. and their, how, you know, what's going on in the world around them, which obviously is going to change dramatically from one year to the next, especially over the last couple of years. And, you know, it's, it's about creating the understanding and creating the habits that come with, um, you know, not just programming our our minds but actually the way that we live our lives as well the way we actually instill and bring these skills into our everyday practice yeah and I think it's so important now you know going going back to lockdown quite frequently today but did you think that also with having your son do it with you that I know a lot of children they just didn't see their friends you know, maybe the, the, we were on Zooms for like 10 minute registration, you see a glimpse of your friend. But I wonder also, because it's children coaching children, that your son almost became like a familiar face, like a familiar Absolutely. friend for children, um, you know, like maybe hundreds of miles away, which yeah. I'm sure Absolutely. was quite comforting for children in the lockdown. 
Yeah, there were so many parents of um, that were of, of, that had one child, you know, and, and the only child, obviously, at home, you know, as you say, engaging mm-hmm. in, in Zoom lessons and when they can. But you know, having you know, that, that really connected and built up that relationship with Oscar online um, because it was a familiar face, and they were they they knew what was coming up, and they kind of got better at meditating, and they even like with the meditations now in the classes in the community it's Oscar's voice that they hear on the guided meditation. Mm. So again, it's although I'm taking the lessons in the community and, and I'm the after school clubs, it's actually a child's voice that they're hearing. And I think I think even in, in a school setting, I think sometimes as we know, even as adults, if you go to a, a, an, an all day presentation, like a training, you know, a seminar or whatever, and if you're hearing the same mm-hmm. voice all the time, someone different comes onto mm-hmm. the stage and they hear a different voice. Yes. And it just yeah. it's, it just mm-hmm. it grabs your attention again. So Absolutely. I, I do, I do yes. feel that what we're kind of bringing to the table is that the reason we kind of, I suppose, we, we are building a business with many of my it's very heart-led I feel like I can't stop I've got knowledge in my head I know know that I can share and if I if I had stopped when the lockdown finished then I was making it about me and not about the children and therefore Mm -hmm. that's that's what mini me mindfulness is all about it's about you know serving the children now rather than teaching teachers to become mindfulness teachers because that takes time Mm -hmm. takes time out the classroom it takes, um, you know, it takes, you know, um, for someone to, to have that desire to want to learn a different subject and want to kind of take this information on board. And that's not going to be everybody's bag. And I, you know, I, I, I was looking at this and thinking, how do we make an immediate impact? Well, you know, we can we can scale the online lessons into every primary school across the country and then through the franchise we can you know bring people into the communities and schools um, rather than you know having to put extra pressure on the schools and on teachers at a time when pressure is significant in terms of Mm. remote learning back in the classroom different considerations in terms of how you can teach and you know and 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 this new not a new requirement because obviously mindset and mindfulness has been, you know, it's a very ancient um, technique and, and and our minds need to be, um, you know, taught how to um, act and respond in the right way. And that's, that's not a new thing, but, you know, bringing mindfulness into the curriculum is maybe, um, you know, more at the forefront now than it ha- ever has been. So it's, you know, we haven't necessarily got time to train everybody up. We've, we should just be able to hit play on something and give kids something meaningful today. I also think, like you say, you've got Oscar still doing the guided meditations and the teachers put that up on the screen. And I know a couple of years ago, I did a circle time each week where we had a question that was maybe linked to one of our topics and each person had a chance to answer it. And I still remember to this day that when the children wrote their reports, one child said, I loved circle time because I got to voice my own opinion. And I think sometimes children like something that comes routinely that's possibly a bit different and gives them an opportunity to maybe tap into a skill that they're good at yeah absolutely absolutely and, and the peer mentoring i just think it is it is that different connection it's a different perspective it just absolutely it's it a different dimension yeah. doesn't it to the school day and to that that day so yeah it, definitely it's, kind of, it's only a, a positive for the classroom so i think my next question was directed at you but maybe i should uh, direct it through you to your son um and it's what is your favorite part of of the mindfulness teaching that you do and maybe what would Oscar say as well as a child um do you know what I think 
I mean, the thing is, Oscar did a lot of, most of Oscar's coaching, or all of Oscar's coaching that he's done has either been online, where he doesn't see the reaction mm. of children, or he has been mm. videoed, the lessons have been videoed. So he's been working with me. I'd like to him to say the best bit has been working with my mum. <laughs> <laughs> but, of you know, course. I don't know. I don't know what the response would be. <laughs> so really, in terms of, in terms of his... Um, as, as a parent watching him coach out you know and, and when we did the videos obviously we had you know auto cues and it was videos it was lights it was camera action it's you know obviously a very professional um, mm. um setup in terms of you know making sure that the quality of what goes into the schools is on point um so for oscar um, he, as a parent watching Oscar, for me, minimum mindfulness means that Oscar has learned a subject enough to be able to coach it out, to understand it, to do a retake, mm-hmm. to do, say it again, mm-hmm. and you know, and he knows this stuff inside out. So the win for me as a parent is that actually, if minimum mindfulness kind of if the doors close tomorrow, my Oscar has learned this and he has taken on board and he's built confidence self-awareness you know he understands his emotions can talk and communicate you know regulate his anxiety if that comes up he understands it you know all these sorts of things that we teach that's that's been the best thing so but for me in terms of teaching the mindfulness when I've actually gone out into the community the best thing is actually seeing the the um the best thing for me actually when we open the lesson I actually teach all the children how their mind actually works. And I use um, like a snow globe or I use, as we were saying before, you know, sometimes it's the same story just delivered in different ways, different age groups. But like looking at the how the children respond um, to the lessons and how much they remember um, for the following lesson. You know, it's, it's I always... Um, teach people how to teach their children how the, their minds works with the snow globe and just say look you know you've had a busy day you've had a crazy weekend you've you know worked hard at school you've had lots of chats and plays with your friends and your mind is really busy like this snow globe and actually every now and again mm. we, need to put, we need to rest our minds we need to stop and we need to we need to let our minds settle and when I put that snow globe down on the, on the ground and the children I can see that they are just watching the snow settle <laughs> snow yes. globe like they are mesmerized by it and you know and then then you feel clear and then you can make better decisions and it's calmer Mm. you know so I think for me it really brings to light you know that really kids just need to understand how their brains work and we need to feed the right things into it so that they can recall that you know as and when and and I think you know even just just seeing the, the 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 quick transition, I suppose, of, of children that come into the class maybe on, on week one to actually the, the the different responses that I get on week three and week four. So it's been really, I think, the, the, the most positive thing for me has been the, the reaction and the outcome for the children that I'm seeing quite quickly. Yeah, definitely. So I know a lot of your, your work, is your technique is based around, I think, is it three things? So I read building resilience, self-love and confidence. Um, and yeah. I just wonder, why do you think these things are so important nowadays? Do you think it's post-pandemic? Do we think it was even pre-pandemic? Um, if anybody remembers those days. <laughs> um, yeah, I wonder if it's come more to the forefront now or if it was always there. It's, I mean, it's, it's always there. It's, it's always been there. If we if we even look back at each, each of our own lives, there's always the sort of things that come up where, you know, if you're mentally prepared for them or mentally resilient, then there's lots of different challenges and 
um, behaviours that might, you know, that might, or, or things that might have, have worked in a slightly different way had you have known what you know now. And I think I'm very passionate about teaching ch- like children, especially under sevens, because our emotional blueprint is created by age seven. And after that, we need mm. to undo and relearn. So because of that, mm-hmm. it means that there are, you know, 40-year-old people walking around with a seven-year-old blueprint in terms of how they react to certain things because of their belief system. And that is true. And yes. you can see that when you, you know, when how, how some people respond to certain situations or experiences, you can tell that, that is a, that's a, a, an emotional reaction based on their emotional blueprint. So I think if we can teach people, if we can build people up from the, the children up and people up from the inside, so they have their confidence, they have self-awareness about what's going on inside them. And actually what's going on inside is natural and it's normal and it's okay. And then understanding mm. how to um, how to how to respond to those feelings so that they can self-regulate their responses. And that in turn will help to reduce stress reduce anxiety I mean staying mindful mm-hmm. of being in the moment you know and, and reminding people how to be in the moment stops the mind from wandering into the past which which is stress and into the future which is anxiety so actually right now you're right. okay you might be worried about that yes. stressful situation that's coming up but that's not that's mm-hmm. not here yet so that's there's no there's that mm-hmm. anxiety is always going to be there because it's a natural reaction understanding mm-hmm. it and where that comes from then bring bringing back to the the current um you know this at this moment you know that's mindfulness obviously bringing everything back that will just increase in a calm you know um and you know um increase happiness and and just also encouraging communication because just keep children understanding that how they feel is to okay totally okay and even with adults you know a lot of adults need to know this stuff as well and uh, which is why I started mm, oh, absolutely and and I and I, mm-hmm. and I I love the preschool classes that we do <laughs> um because I then get to teach the, ch- the parents in addition to the children so that when we've had the lesson yeah. the way I badge this up for children is that I teach them a superpower every single week they've already got it but they don't know particularly they might not know what it is amazing oh, I love that Every week mm-hmm. I'll teach them a new superpower and it could be senses. It could be, um, you know, it, it could be just, you know, obviously using their superpower of listening or using their superpower of breathing, you know, or using affirmations, like the words that they say to themselves. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, when mm-hmm. I started this, um, I was telling someone about one of the lessons of affirmations and someone said to me, are you going to use that word? Because kids will not know what that is. So, well, if they don't know what it means, it's up to us to teach them. You tell them. Yeah. yeah. You bring them up. That, that's such a big understand. thing. Yeah. Absolutely. No, so, definitely. So all of these things, you know, I just think a combination of everything, but just learning in a, in a fun and innovative way. So sometimes when people think about mindfulness and mindset and it's like, you know, just and it's going to be boring or it's going to be, you know, lots of facts and figures. But what we've actually done is we've mm. put together lesson plans where, you know, we – we always recap on the previous lesson. Um, we then, you know, share the super the superpower that we're going to be teaching that week. We then calm our minds. Mm-hmm. We then have our guided meditation by Oscar. Um, we then have a story, um, and the story relates to the superpower. 
because again stories are very memorable so you're talking about how do we lock in facts and how do we lock in how do we retain facts mm-hmm. and it could be that a story mm-hmm. is what actually makes that that um, kind of hold and then we play a game that is related to that superpower so the game is fun and it's interactive and this is what I can do in the after school clubs because we can get you know and actually now kids are back in the classroom setting a lot of those lessons as well although they're taught by Oscar there's then that might be a 10 minute lesson where they're watching a video the other 10 minutes is actually doing so it might be writing Mm -hmm. or it might be liaising with the you know as a as a pairs or it might be a group discussion um and but you know we can move around more in the after school clubs so it's we have a game and then we have you know we encourage discussion what did we learn and how are we going to implement this in our weeks there's always home practice so that it's like you know we can teach you the superpower but now you need to go off and practice it you need to go and use it um and this week i'm teaching in the community um affirmations so everyone kind of at the end of it had three affirmations and every day I want you to say these three things. So it might be, I am powerful, I am kind, I am a good friend. You know, so everybody have their different ones. And so this week, hopefully, all of the children are using their home practice. Their parents have been, you know, um, notified. This is what we're teaching. These are their three words. You know, encourage them to say these every day. And of course, all these kind of things, it's like the positive self-talk. You know, what you tell yourself, you start to change your belief system and that will change the way that you see the world that will change the way you see yourself that will change your confidence levels and you know the, the opposite is also true you know if you say i'm not very good at this or i i, I you know i, I feel this mm-hmm. way you know of course you know if you keep saying that over and over again your brain will just find ways of helping you of basically proving you right because your brain is on your side yeah it really is there to help you yeah. and we just need to power it with the right information and then practice it practice it practice it just like our muscles if we go down the gym you know we can you know obviously create great results but if we stop then old mm. habits start to creep in and that's why i think the uh, regular kind of um you know once a week classes and just encouraging this as a, as a behavior rather than a lesson needs to, the fact that yeah, the, but, the yeah. information needs to come mm-hmm. from the lesson but it does as you said it needs to become you know a way of life absolutely I think that's really interesting that it's a behavior and not a lesson and like you say that that mindset kind of sets in by the age of seven I think you said um yes and I, I found that just I've just come from year six and I'm now in reception but I found in year six that there were just a couple of children who were just so uninterested in reading books and I think I always thought to myself like by kind of age 10 11 it's so hard to change that mindset yeah um, yeah, which, which I, like you say, I would imagine forms in in the younger years of, of life and of school. It's a belief system. And, so uh, the belief yes, system is, yeah. is created by that by the age of seven, and 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 it is you know a lot yeah. of the beliefs. So that's why you know children, you know, obviously as primary school ch- teachers, you have a huge impact on how that child, what that child believes about themselves. And as we mm-hmm. know, a really good teacher can have a massive impact on how that child performs behaves Mm -hmm. and and the the results that you'll see from them not just academic but just the way they feel about themselves and you know and obviously parents have an enormous impact you know one of the biggest impacts but also what children hear around them it could be tv it could be this is why this is Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why mini me mindfulness has just got such a pull on my heart because i know like we all have been surrounded by such negative vibes feedback press yeah. conversations yes. yeah so even if you're having yeah. like a, you know you're out and you bump into somebody in a shop and you're talking to someone about you know your, the children are with you 
you have a conversation with someone about, you know, oh, so-and-so was poorly with COVID or this happened to that person and the holidays cancelled or this, I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. all very negative draining <laughs> things, but the children are hearing yeah. that. And that's the belief system yeah. bringing you on board. The world is hard. The world is, you know, everything's against us and we're not able to do this and this, you know, so it's hard to shield from that when the world, that's what's happening in the world. But we must counteract that with, but you can do whatever, because this is going to be hopefully a very small, you know, small part of their overall life. But right now is where we need to get back to changing the belief systems and understanding that they can do anything and these restrictions are temporary and you know and 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 just just power them up with all the power energy that they need and that they deserve to be able to you know bring them on as confident children um teenagers young adults and uh, and you know into the adult world so right now i'm so passionate about making sure that you know we we are we are serving our children with all the positive um, and, and, you know, mindful skill sets that they need to, you know, over, for their lifetime. I would imagine also, I mean, I've always thought after school club, what could I do? Like art or like a PE club. But I just love that you have it as an after school club as well. And I wonder, do you have mixed age groups then as, if you do it as an after school club? Yeah, we've we've kind of um, I've I've broken it down into like preschool, like preschool, like three to five, and then infants, you key stage one, key stage two, yes. really. So, so you've got um, you know the, the the younger age group, and again that the content. So, I'd say you know four to seven, and then eight to eleven. Mm-hmm. The content is the same. It's just the delivery mm-hmm. might be slightly different. You know, obviously, if you're telling a story mm-hmm. to a five year old, it's going to be different mm-hmm. to the way you're yes. telling a ten year old. But the, the, yes. the story is the same, you know, a bit like the Aesop's fables, you know, the biblical stories, they're written for adults, but actually they are adapted for children. And it's that, it's that kind of same, mm-hmm. it's the same, same thing really. It's, you know, yeah, absolutely teaching this as, as and it has been, I mean, the, the parents, I mean, the, the after school clubs have been really, really well attended. And now it sounds amazing to into, the, into the community it's, and the kids are having great fun. You know, they, it's not just about laying on the floor and making them be quiet for half an hour. This is about understanding. Yeah, let's do this. Let's have a little break. Let's, let's get charge our brains up. And even things like using things like um, analogies like, you know, they've all got an iPad. OK, so how do you feel when your battery runs out on your iPad? They're like, oh, yes. oh is it got stress? You know, oh, my goodness, yeah. you see the tension rise in the room. <laughs> It's like, do you know what? Sometimes yeah. we feel like that as adults. We get that little red yes, as well. Yeah. And every now and again, we yeah. need to charge ourselves up. So if it's not bedtime, how can we do this? We can meditate. So let's do this for like, you know, it's only four, three or four minutes, five minutes. And and then, you know, we're just going to charge our batteries up. Or another analogy that I use is, you know, when you've got too many tabs open on your computer or your laptop, your battery mm. drains up quicker. So let's close all those mm-hmm. tabs. Let's just think about what's happening right now. Let's close all the tabs. It's, 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 I'm not saying empty your mind and get rid of all your thoughts, but it's just think about just what's happening right now and charge our batteries up so we can last a bit longer. So well, I have to say, you, it seems like you've made it. So you've made it seems sorry. It seems like you've made it so visual for the children. Like I love all the visual representations that you've spoken about the snow globe and the. the iPad battery and I've definitely seen my three and a half year old niece not very happy with a dead battery <laughs> on an iPad. Thank you. <laughs> so they're all I think they're all analogies that like if I go back to the beginning that in the twenty first century children understand, whereas possibly like in another century they wouldn't have got that it would have been harder to maybe get the image for children, yeah. I think. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, batteries have always, you know, I, I, I think as well, what I, um, part of my mini me mindfulness, um, courses for, um, for mindset mentors that I'm bringing on to teach how, how to coach out mini me mindfulness. Um, part of that is to do an eight week mindfulness course. And, um, I have partnered with an MBE in who has actually brought M- mindfulness into the armed forces. So he was very complimentary around what we're doing, especially with the peer mentoring. Um, And what I love about him is that um, is that really mindfulness needs to the the perception of mindfulness needs to change because it's not about Mm -hmm. putting a caftan on, walking up a mountain and sitting with your eyes shut for 50 minutes. It's not that. This is about just understanding your brain and how it works and how you yeah. can control your thoughts and your mind and that your thoughts and your mind are not going to control you. I love that. That's, yeah, that. And also I think what you said about, like, I guess being in the present and that you're going to have possibly nervousness and anxiety for things in the future, but that's in the future and maybe for your mindset to stay more in the present. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and that's what yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a wonderful thing to kind of end on. So two more things before we go. Um, do you have maybe some top tips for mindfulness in the classroom that possibly anyone listening can walk away from today and try and implement it into their classrooms? Yeah, I think um, I think with children, I think un- there's, there's so many things. But I think I think the key thing is um, is is really about body and breath. Um, with with mindfulness, bringing your bringing your thoughts back to your body and breath. So, um, you know, breathing is a huge part of mindfulness, and actually, it's a it's a massively powerful tool in how children um, can regulate their bodies. Um, in the classroom, I think a lot of children they understand about their senses. So, you know, to be mindful is about bringing the mind into the present moment. So, you know, what can you see? What can you hear? What can you feel? What can you smell? What can you touch? You know, using the senses, Mm -hmm. which are very, you know, everyone knows about their senses. They learn about their senses at an early age. What can we see? So let's look in the room. What can we, you know, what can we see? So mindfulness, you know, bringing bringing the thoughts into the room. Um, And also, you know, I I just, you know, meditation is obviously, you know, a a huge one that actually people can, you know, and children can do that at their desks. They can do that, you know, it's that kind of, um, so yes, so senses, um, breathing and, you know, and and meditation. So it depends on, I suppose it depends on the teacher, one of the things, but but I I think senses are, there's, there's, um, yeah, I would say using the senses because everybody knows that and actually just what can you see what people can you notice differently about the room you know it's that just bringing the thoughts back into the into the room yeah I think it's been amazing and I just thank you so much for coming on I think for me like mindfulness and like also from talk from before I'm just so happy that they're all coming back into the classroom and I I hope at some point we'll have some changed in our curriculum that brings them even more to the forefront but it's been amazing tessa so thank you oh you're very welcome and you know if there are any teachers obviously listening in that would like the support of mini me mindfulness you know we have got Mm. the curriculum lessons and they can you know 
quite easily you know someone could speak to me tomorrow and you know they could engage with our services and they could have oscar coaching their primary school children um you know as early as next week you know because online makes everything so accessible and that's why we've got absolutely two pronged approach it's like you know let's get oscar into the classrooms and teaching as a term full of mindfulness and a term full of um mindset because the two are slightly different um and but you know but but really i mean if if you were looking for things to run from say next term from after christmas there's two terms left let's get as many children as possible actually hearing from with that peer mentoring on this incredibly important subject and just know that it's absolutely it's, it's within everybody's reach that's the thing so um yeah. you know and, and it just means that there's a consistent of a consistency of approach across the school across in every classroom mm-hmm. whether someone's a big fan of mindfulness or not you know it doesn't matter the children still need to have that same level of information and uh, and and kind of positive um, experience of uh, mindfulness um and you know just putting a drawing in front of them and mindfulness coloring in my view is not a powerful lesson around this important subject absolutely they need to I, understand absolutely. the skills they need to know the subject they need to yeah. understand their minds and how they work we do yeah. a lot of kind of physical exercise at schools like everybody does they'll go down to the gym and they'll understand how to yeah. kind of, you know how to operate their bodies what we're trying what we're trying yes. to do is encourage people to understand how to operate their mind because they are in control of that and they just need to learn these skills to be able to, um, you know, to create all of these amazing things like building confidence, raising self-awareness, recognising their emotions, mm-hmm. understanding their feelings, regulating themselves, which in turn then reduces stress and anxiety, increases all their inner calm and happiness and encourages communication. And importantly, having fun with the subject because it is incredibly fun when you get into it. Sounds amazing. I can't wait. I'm definitely going to speak to my head teacher and say that we definitely need this because I would love to do it. And I, I want to meditate with the kids. So yes. <laughs> sounds like a good afternoon for me. I have to say that I know we've talked about mindfulness and children, but this I wrote down the first thing I wrote down was boss your morning. And I have to be honest with you, I am sure there are teachers out there that could do with a bit of that themselves. So I'd love yeah. to get you back on and to talk about the adult side of it. Cause um, for sure there are many teachers that need it in the morning. Um, yeah. And do you know, you know what? Six of six. Yeah, and the reason I launched the app actually is that Boss Your Morning, the way that I, I actually, when I started Boss Your Morning, I was actually in the city. I was, I'm a financial advisor by trade. I spent 23 years in the city and I started my own business and in the health and wellness space. And one of the things I realized I needed to do, you know, whilst building a business, working full time, Oscar was a toddler, there was loads of things going on. And actually, I needed to look after my mind and manage my mind and be able to really come out the starting blocks running with the right level of energy mm-hmm. to create success in every area. And I put together like a half an hour routine that I just stuck with. And a lot of people around me recognized the success that I was having in lots of different areas. How are you doing this? I said, you know what? It all comes down to how you start your day. If you're the sort of person to wake up and hit snooze, you've you've failed the first task of your day that dents your self-esteem before you yes. get out of bed. Yeah. So that first half an hour Absolutely. of the day, I just used to literally between six and six thirty, I do live coaching sessions every every weekday morning. Um, and and yeah, I just I, and if people can't get on there at six or six thirty, I then it's recorded. They can jump on later or watch a previous days. But it's just getting together and 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 by six thirty. So I kind of do that early. Some people go, oh, it's way too early for me. But make that time for yourself. And I think as adults and as professionals, one of the things we don't do is put ourselves first enough. 
So self, you yeah. know, self love and that self care and really educating and living and breathing the stuff that we're teaching out or we're trying to encourage young people to do. You know, they will do what we do more than they'll do what absolutely. We say. And therefore being the, yeah. the example and leading from the front. And this is why Oscar could coach this out because he's watched me do this for so many years on, on Boss Your Morning. But I would love to Amazing. come back to you more just, about it. Absolutely. And, uh, absolutely. Amazing. Well, I'll definitely have you back on for, for Boss Your Morning and for a bit of adult mindfulness because I think definitely, like I said, there are many teachers and educators out there that need it. So it's been amazing, Kessa, and thank you so much. Thank, thank you, so you for much. inviting it's me. It's really been a pleasure. Lovely. Thank you to everyone that's listening Oh, you're as welcome. Well. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah thank look you. forward to chatting to you next yeah. time. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks Have a, a lovely Take evening. Care. Bye. All right. Bye. So guys, hope you enjoyed the show. Loads to think about. And I really hope you've got some tips and some ideas to take with you into your classroom tomorrow. Please come back at eight o'clock really, really soon for our next show with Holly. It is her first show. So please come in and give her a listen. And I will see you next Thursday where we're going to be talking reception, my new year group. So please come back and have a nice evening. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.